Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermons Podcast. Today's sermon is brought to you by Senior Pastor Ken Werlein and was recorded on Sunday, December 4th, 2022. And hey, if you're ever in the area, join us on Sunday on campus at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. and come say hi in person. And you can also follow us on Instagram at, at FaithBridge to see what goes on during the week. And as always, you can join us every Sunday for our online service called FaithBridge Live at faithbridge.org live. Here's Ken. Let's go to God's word. Uh, why did you turn in chapter 19 of Luke <clears throat> and the ushers have uh, Bibles and if you need a Bible, why don't you wave them down in either of the rooms, Luke chapter 19, or maybe you're going electronic and you can turn to it that way. And while you're turning in Luke chapter 19, let me explain to you um, something that is sort of just to orient you of, of where we are in this year-long journey of Luke. Today, we come to the last one-on-one conversation that Jesus is going to have with somebody before he gets to Jerusalem, before uh, Palm Sunday and the journey towards the cross. And because that's just 18 verses later, Palm Sunday and all of that. We jumped ahead, you'll remember, uh, back in the spring to take during Lent those uh, chapters at the end of the book going through the crucifixion and the resurrection. And so today we come to sort of the end of the journey that we're doing in Luke, with the exception of chapters one and the first part of chapter two. We save those for these weeks in Advent. So next week we'll go backwards and catch the very beginning of the story and the birth of Christ. So with that background, we're going to move uh, to the, uh, studying a character called Zacchaeus. I guess you could say if, if uh, the Sullivans represented the best of integrity, uh, especially when dealing with finances as our business administrator, we're going to move to the worst example in Zacchaeus. Let me tell you about him uh, after <clears throat> we read. Look at verse uh, 1 in chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho. And was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. So he came down and at once at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay them back four times that amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. What you have here is the most wonderful story of a transformation that Jesus does in this man's life. He starts out in chapter one, a scoundrel, as we'll discuss, and he ends up absolutely transformed. Some of you have had transformational stories. Uh, Many of you have had uh, stories that you could probably share about what Christ has done in your life. What we like about this story um, here in chapter 19 is that it just makes so very clear four movements that happen 
in Zacchaeus' life and roundaboutly in our lives if we're going to have an encounter with Jesus Christ ourselves. Let's go through them. The first, if you're taking notes, is this. Zacchaeus was open to investigating. He was open to investigating Jesus. Now, <clears throat> we don't know why all of a sudden he's, he's open. Maybe it was something no more complex than the fact that Jesus was a celebrity. We're coming to the end of the ministry of Jesus. Like I said, he's just verses away from moving into the Passion Week and the cross. And so uh, by now he's well known throughout the whole community as a miracle worker, as a prophet, as a rabbi, a great teacher. And so crowds would form into the thousands when he went somewhere. So maybe Zacchaeus just wanted to go there to, because I've been hearing about this guy. I bet there was something a little more to it though, as I've thought about it. I bet it's because as a tax collector, Zacchaeus always wondered about his friend Matthew, who's also called Levi. And he remembered that several years prior, Matthew had changed professions and become a follower of Jesus full time, walked away from being a tax collector. I wondered if maybe that he never could quite shake. He's like, I got to go and check out this Jesus one more time. Maybe he'd even gone to that party that Matthew had in his home soon after he became a follower of Jesus. Or maybe it's that his conscience was finally screaming so loudly he just couldn't ignore it anymore. Why would his conscience be screaming loudly? Because he was a tax collector. It says there he was a tax collector and rich. What you have to understand in those days, that was redundant. To say he was a tax collector and rich would be like, duh, of course if he's a tax collector, he's rich. All of them were. What were tax collectors? Tax collectors in Israel were hired hands. They were Jewish people who had, who had turned traitorous. And the Roman government needed tax money. They were going to take tax money. So they hired these Jews who were like, yeah, I don't care. I'll, I'll go gouge my own brothers and sisters. And... The Romans said, and you can bake in as much profit as you want. When you're going door to door, you'll have a guard, Roman guard with a spear. So if you want to build in an extra 10% or 15 or 20, or you do whatever you got to do. And so to say a tax collector was rich was a foregone conclusion. They were all, and they were all traitorous. So think in terms of the way that people back in World War II disdained traitors towards the Nazis when they were moving in, for example, towards France and some of the French people uh, go over and start to help the, the Nazis and they were despised. That's how the Jewish people looked at tax collectors. And, and so that maybe though his conscience had finally got the best of him. It's like, how can I do this? Now I'm taking 35%. I've got everything that man could ever want that the world can buy. But it's not right what I've been doing. Everybody hates me. I've been essentially stealing. Maybe it was his conscience. Maybe it was the fact that his parents had prayed for him since he was a little baby. Because you know what his name Zacchaeus meant it meant pure one righteous one 
and he had turned out anything but pure and righteous. But maybe when his parents had named him and bundled him up and said, you're going to be Zacchaeus, you're going to be the untainted one. Maybe watching how he turned out, they just never quit praying. I know some moms and dads like that. And their kids have gone off. But they just keep praying, Lord, bring them back, bring them back, bring them back. Maybe roundaboutly his going out that day to see Jesus was an answer to their prayers. But for whatever reason, he was open and he decided, I'm going to go out and I'm going to check out this Jesus. By the way, while we're just talking about openness and, and responding to Jesus, sometimes people ask me, how can I get my, my, my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, my child, my neighbor, my coworker to trust in Christ? And while I always appreciate the sentiment, I'm always quick to say, you can't. It doesn't work that way. In John 6, it says, nobody can come to the Father unless the Father uh, who sent me draws them. And then I'll raise them up on the last day. So there's this work that God has to do. And so the best advice I would give is stop nagging, stop badgering them. I know you want them to trust in Christ. We have got, we've all got people in our lives that we want to, but stop nagging them, stop badgering them. Nobody ever gets badgered into trusting Christ. Just back off, give them some space, keep loving them, keep praying that God will soften the soil of their hearts and keep looking because one of these days, maybe the door will open. How would you know? Well, sometimes when somebody all of a sudden gets a bad diagnosis and they're in the hospital and they feel out of control or maybe their spouse leaves them and or maybe their job uh, puts them out or their finances are taking a downturn and now they're feeling very out of control. And a lot of times that's when all of a sudden a person might turn and say, I think I'm ready to talk about the spiritual things you've wanted to talk to me about because I need some of the fortitude that I sense in you. And there's your open moment. Well, Zacchaeus, for whatever reason, he's having an open moment. He goes out and he's waiting to see Jesus come by because he was open. Second thing I notice is he was willing to push through he was willing to push through what others said and what the others thought. Uh, with thanks to Tim Keller for helping me see this. He, he, Keller points out, if you're going to encounter Christ, you, you're going to probably have to push past somebody. What they say or what they think about you. And I think that's what holds, sometimes holds people back. And we know that, G, uh, that Zacchaeus was literally going to have to try to push through some people to see Jesus, not just metaphorically, but literally. Why? Because there was a crowd. And specifically, it says he was short. Now, I'm a tall guy. And, and you just learn somewhere along the way. I don't know who taught you, taught to me, but you just learn along the way when you're at a big crowd and you see somebody who's like this behind them, behind you, you're, you're supposed to say, well, here, you, you come stand here and then you can see, and I can still see over you. It's not bragging unless it's Pastor Dan. And then, you know, and 
it's just being polite and, and you let them have that uh, opportunity. Well, you know, nobody was going to give Zacchaeus that opportunity. Why? We already talked about it. They despised him. He was a traitor. So he was going to get the roughest of sharp elbows if somebody had the opportunity to, <clears throat> when he was trying to come through. So what does he do? Well, he's clever. He runs on ahead of the parade finds a sycamore fig tree with low-lying branches, the kind you can kind of get to and get up. And he gets up in the tree. Now think about that. that he had to get past some mental hurdles to do that as well. It takes a little courage and a little humility to, to put your pride on the shelf and climb up in a tree because you're short so you can see when you're wearing a $4,000 Neiman Marcus suit. Well, tunic. And so he's wearing a tunic he got from Neiman's and he's having to hike it up and climb. And anybody who'd have looked at him would have said, that is different. But clearly he'd, he'd gotten through that. Why? Because he wanted to see this Jesus. And I think there comes a point where you and I, all of us have to say, you know what? I don't care. I want Jesus more than anything. What's always sad is when people don't get there. I was reading about uh, an art historian from a different era. His name's Kenneth Clark. And he once had an experience with God. He writes about it. When I was living in France, I had a religious experience. And it took place in the church of St. Lorenzo. But it didn't seem to be connected in any way to the beauty of the architecture. I can only say that for a few minutes, my whole being just radiated with heavenly joy. More intense than anything I'd ever experienced in my whole life. But as wonderful it was as it was it put me in an awkward predicament because my life was far from blameless. And I knew if I am to follow through on this, I would have to reform and change. And my family would surely think that I had gone mad. So gradually, the effect wore off and I made no effort to retain it. I had felt the finger of God, I'm quite sure. But I was too deeply embedded in the world to change course. It's almost like Jesus had said to him, come down out of that tree. And he said, I, 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 I just, I can't. What would people think? What would my family think? On the other hand, just last Monday, I was talking on the phone with a lady. I was working on a bill or a statement. Monday's my day off, so that's when I kind of do chores. And, and, and I was trying to get this thing settled up and, 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 and paid or whatever it was. And, and I was, you know how sometimes when you're talking and there's dead time, you just, so I was like, well, what city are you in? She, well, I'm in wherever she, North Carolina. Oh, how's the weather over there? Oh, that's fine. And... Um, and then we're doing the deal and, and she gets my, she's, what's your email? I tell her, she says, Faithbridge, what's Faithbridge? I said, well, Faithbridge is a church. She says, so you work at a church? I said, actually I do. 
And so we keep going. We do the deal that we were doing. And uh, towards the end, I said, okay, well, thanks for, for your help. And she said, Mr. Worland, before, before we hang up, I, I, I don't want to sound creepy, which already made her sound creepy. But <laughs> she's like, I don't want to sound creepy. But uh, while we were working on this, I, I looked up your church website. And I saw that you're doing a series on Jesus. I said, yes, we are. She said, well, I'm a single mom and I have a little girl and I've been asking some spiritual questions and I've been wondering about God and Jesus and all those sorts of things. And do you think if I watched uh, some of these sermons that uh, services that I, I might start to understand about him a little bit more? And I said, oh, as a matter of fact, I do. Because see, what we've been doing is we've been doing this series going through this book called Luke. And Luke was kind of like an investigative reporter who was hired, best we can tell, by this wealthy guy called Theophilus, who himself was trying to figure out, so what's the scoop on this whole Christian thing? Luke, I'm going to pay you good money. You go and just do a thorough research. And then I'm going to try to understand more about Christianity. And so roundaboutly, I said to her, I guess you're kind of like Theophilus. And I bet if you read what Luke wrote, you would start to understand more as well. So I think you should watch. Well, that was the end. And uh, she thanked me and, and, and um, on we went. It was only a little bit later, maybe a day or two later when I was thinking about this message, I thought, oh, isn't that interesting? What did she do? She pushed past what might be some natural uh, barriers. Because for all she knew, uh, she could have said, uh, asked the question, and I could have said, that is creepy, ma'am, and I don't think you should be getting into people's personal business. And does your supervisor know that you're looking at church websites when you're on the clock? You know, I could have said that. <laughs> but I think, is that great? She, she put aside her pride, and she was humble. And she just put it out there. Zacchaeus, he pushes past. He's open. He pushes past. Thirdly, he accepts Jesus' invitation. That's the third thing that I notice. Jesus comes along and he looks up in the tree. And we don't know exactly how he knew that this was Zacchaeus. Maybe he just knew because he's Jesus and he knows everything. Or maybe in that moment he was like, Who's the dude in the tree? And somebody says, oh, that's Zacchaeus. He's the tax collector. We don't know exactly how it happened, but he stops the parade, Jesus does. And he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, you, I see you up there. Come down. Me? Yes, you. Why? Because I must come into your house today. Now, to go in somebody's house, even today, but certainly back in that culture, was to make a statement. It was to make a statement of, I want to have friendship with you. I want us to have a, a, a connection, a relationship, a friendship. Today, today's the day. Not tomorrow, not next week, not like, I'll get around to it one of these days, I'll give you a call. No, he's saying, today, I want you to come down because I want to come into your house. I'm coming, Zacchaeus. You know, he had done that with another tax collector. We mentioned him earlier, 
Levi, Matthew. And don't you know that Zacchaeus, probably remembering Matthew very well, was like, wow, he's fixing to, I'm going to get in as well. So he comes down, says in verse 7, he welcomed him gladly. And when you think about it, I don't know how high up in the tree he had gotten. We don't know how long it took him to climb down, but that was the most significant journey of his life. In fact, one person wrote, Zacchaeus' soul was surely saved before his feet hit the ground. I think that's probably true. I don't wonder, have you, have you taken that journey? Have you stepped into saving faith with Jesus. Because like Zacchaeus, he says to all of us, I want you. I want to come into the home of your heart if you'd have me. Have you said yes to Christ Jesus yourself? I'm telling you, when it dawns on you that he says, you, I want to have a relationship with you. That begins to change everything. That's what began to change Zacchaeus because he's calculating, wait a second, I'm a despised man. I'm a rejected man. I'm a scoundrel and dishonest and sinful and you're offering to come into my home and so were all the other people. They're like, you're going to go into his home? Do you know what kind of person this guy is? And that's what Jesus, he was making a statement. He said, I've come to seek and save the lost. I've come for everybody, no matter how bad you are. And that's where the change begins to happen. There's really an exchange, you could say. He was saying to Zacchaeus, I want you to come out of that tree. And in your place, I'm going to go into a tree, Zacchaeus. Because in the book of Galatians, in Deuteronomy, it says, Cursed is the one who hangs on a tree. And just days later, Jesus is going to be hanging on a tree tree wood in the form of a cross dying the death that he didn't deserve that we deserved because he had lived the life we couldn't live of sinless perfection standing in as our punishment so that he could conquer the grave on the third day and when Zacchaeus has this invitation he says yes I accept, I want you to come into my home. And that's what leads to the transformation. That's the fourth thing. Zacchaeus was radically transformed from the inside out. And the order of that is important, from the inside out, not from the outside in. And so Jesus is not saying Zacchaeus, you're a scoundrel, and I wouldn't dare go into your house unless you would change. But if you get yourself cleaned up and fixed up, then maybe, maybe I'll come. No, 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 that's not what he does. 
He, 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 and Zacchaeus isn't saying, Lord, Lord, let me change my ways. I'm going to become a generous person and, and I'm going to give back money and all of it. No, no, no. Jesus says, I'm coming in. And then the change begins to happen inside of him. Why mention that order? Because, friends, this is what distinguishes Christianity from every other major world religion. See, people tend to think, well, I, I think I know what Christianity is. You're supposed to be good, and you're supposed to be moral, and you're supposed to not get drunk, and you're supposed to not cuss too much, and all these kind of things, and, and that's what it is, right? And if I get myself all cleaned up on the outside, then I'm good enough for God. Isn't that the deal? No, that's not the deal. That is the deal for every other major world religion. You've got to jump through the hoops. You've got to jump over the hurdles. You've got to do it well enough and good enough, and maybe just maybe you do it five times a day, and it'll be good enough for God. Maybe. But that wouldn't be good news, would it? No, that's just a treadmill that speeds up faster and faster and faster and makes you come in touch more and more and more with your failure, failure, failure. And that's what makes Christianity altogether different. The reason we call Christianity a message of grace, a message of good news, is because Jesus is saying, I'll come in first. And once I'm in, once you let me come into the home of your heart, I'll begin to transform you from the inside out. I'll begin to transform you, giving you more love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and forgiving spirit and, and a generous spirit. I'll do all that from the inside out. So don't fool yourself to thinking you got to get it all right and then maybe, just maybe I'll come in. That's not Christianity. That's the difference between religion and grace. That's what separates Christianity from every other major world religion. But the transformation is unmistakable. It's undeniable. And so it is with anybody who truly gives their life over to Jesus Christ. You can see the difference. Sometimes within a day, sometimes maybe over a week or a month. Or, but you begin to say, you know, I can tell something's a little bit different about you. But it's different good. You're a little more patient than you used to be. You're a little bit more this or a little um, well... It's not that I'm trying harder. It's just that I open up myself to Christ and he's working inside of me. I saw that some years ago with a guy I'll call Al. He was uh, coming to church and, and had uh, decided to step across the line of faith and, and I baptized him and we were meeting and, and um, I was asking him, now how's your walk with Christ? He says, you know, I think I'm coming along great. I'm, I've been, this is what I've been reading in the Bible and this is what I'm learning and I've been praying and I actually feel like the prayers are going through and they're making sense and, and, and I feel like God's hearing them because I'm seeing answers. It's really weird. Do you think that's coincidence or do you think that's God incidence? I think it's God incidence. I think God's listening to you and you know, so all these good things. I said, so what's your next step? He said, best I can tell, the one thing that I haven't really let go of yet is my money. I said, well, that tends to be the last thing any of us let go of. It's a good second-rate God. 
And that's why Jesus talked about money so much. He knew if anything fights for the loyalty of our heart, it will be our mammon, our money, our stuff. Why? Because somehow we delude ourselves into saying, if I have enough of that stuff, I'll be safe. No, you won't be safe. You're still going to die. And then it comes to an end. And the stuff will move on to somebody else. That can't save you. Why do we fool ourselves into thinking anything other than if I have Christ, if I have Christ, I'll have all that I need. And if I have Christ, then even that part I can let go of. He said, that's what I want. I said, okay, well, he says, what do I do? I said, well, you just, you just give your money away. He says, I heard you are talking about tithing. That's like a tenth. Yeah, that's right. He said, well, I, I guess I'll, 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 just, I'll just do that. I'm like, okay. Let's have lunch and we can talk about it in a few weeks and tell me everything, how it came out. Well, sure enough, I wasn't sure if he'd do it, but sure enough, the next week on Tuesday, our business administrator, not, not solely, a previous one, sent me a note, which occasionally they'll send me a little note if something very aberrational happens. And said, Al just made a gift of $20,000. I picked up the phone and I called him. I'm like, hey, I see you stepped out on faith finally, even with your finances. He's like, I did. I just, I went ahead and I just, I just tithed. And I said, well, good for you. I'm proud of you. I said, now you tell me, how's it been going? He said, it's been going great. He said, ever since I did that, I've just, I've felt lighter. I felt stronger. I felt more excited. I feel blessed. I, everything's going great. And I was like, well, that's what being in God's will feels like, Al. Welcome. So, was Al saved because he became generous? No. He could only become generous because he let himself be saved. Was Lazarus saved because he became generous and said, I'm going to give back all this money that I had taken and I'm going to be so generous and give half of all of my proceeds away to the poor? Is that what saved him? No. Jesus saved him. Those were just the practical outworkings of it. So my question to you as we close is have you opened up the fullness of your heart to the transforming power of Jesus Christ? Have you been open? Have you pushed through what you have to push through? Figuring out what you've got to figure out to take that, that next step. Have you moved forward to there and responded to the invitation and said, yes? If you have, there'll be, there'll, there will be transformation. That's just the fruit, the evidence of the Lord working in your life. And that's what I want for all of us. Let's pray together. Lord, wouldn't you uh, go with us now into this week and give us uh, the touch of your spirit work in us for any who are here who are Zacchaeus 
If that's you, friend, I invite you even this morning just to say, Jesus, I'm inviting you to come into my life. I, I want to open up the home of my heart to you. Come and forgive me of my sins and cleanse me and fill me and, and start doing a work of changing me from the inside out. And friends, if you're, if you're already a believer, I have a question for you and let's pray about this. Are you open to a Zacchaeus in your life? I think many times we, we need to check our own spirit because especially if the person's different than you, maybe a different political party or a different socioeconomic level and you're like, well, that's not my type of person. No, that's, that's not who we are as followers of the way. We're people who anytime, anywhere, anyone say, let's talk about it because you never know if that man or that woman might be a Zacchaeus getting ready to let the Lord work. Lord, wouldn't you use all of us as your ministers, as your agents of hope and healing, helpfulness, so that the message of the gospel can take root in many people's hearts. Now as we go, would you put your blessing upon us and we pray it all in Jesus' name.